Hello and welcome to the next episode of Des and Marco, the podcast where we talk about pretty much nothing, pretty much everything, and most importantly, beer. So first thing to talk about today, we would like to thank a special contributor. So I'm going to pass over the mic to Marco. Hello, Des. Hello. Uh, yes, you will have noticed a couple of changes in our podcast for this week. So first of all is we have a fancy new logo, which was made by a fan of the show. So shout out to Jay. We hope to have you on the show soon. Thanks, Jay. Super nice of you. And secondly, you will have noticed that our voices are much better this week. Some may describe them as suave. Some may not. Some may accurately guess that we have new fancy mics. Correct. Much better than our previous setup, and we hope that the audio will be better for you guys. It's mind-blowing how a microphone is better than the laptop one. Who would have thought? Mind literally blown. Des, which beer are you drinking today? Okay, so I wanted something crisp and fruity, and I came across a craft beer called, no joke, Bitter and Twisted. It's made by a small brewery called Harveston Brewery. It's from Scotland again, so I can't spell it because it's impossible to spell. But I will put the beer and information about the brewery in the episode notes. How about you, Marco? So this week, my local supermarket recommended a beer from the Brothers-in-Law Brewery, which is here in the Netherlands. And this is from the Brothers-in-Law. It's the New England IPA. So... I'll let you know at the end of the episode how much I like it. Perfect. So I'm just going to open my beer. You might hear the bottle opening. And I will give you an update on how it tastes towards the end of the episode. Cheers. Okay, so Marco, if I'm not wrong, you've wanted to talk about something quite specific this week. That's right, Des. So because we're all in lockdown and we haven't really been able to go to bars and restaurants... And because it's cold and dark at 6 p.m., you really don't have an opportunity to go out to the park anymore. I've been spending quite a bit of time with hanging out with friends at home. And what's the best way to spend time with friends at home, you say? What is the best way to spend time at home? Party games. (laughs) It's definitely not talking. It's party games. So... And for that, I think we we touched it on the first episode that the Switch is really, really good for that. And so I just wanted to talk a little bit about a few party games that I've been playing with my friends over the last couple of weeks. And a couple more that that I'm really looking forward to. First off, the best party game, and I will not accept any arguments on this, the best party game ever is Mario Kart. I might have to disagree with you there. (gasps) What's your favorite? I think Mario Kart can be the best, but you need to have friends who have good hand-eye coordination and who have played Mario Kart before. I guess we'll agree to disagree because literally anyone can pick up Mario Kart. I have evidence to the contrary. I have a partner who did not understand the concept of drifting. Drifting is difficult. Okay, fine. I can forgive that. But she asked me, where is the turn signal? (laughs) So I have to 
disagree with you. Okay, fair point. But apart from very few people, it's a really easy game to pick up. It's very balanced, as in, if you're at the front, you get the worst power-ups. If you're at the back, you get the better ones. Have you heard of the concept rubber banding? Yeah. I think Mario Kart is the best example of that, and best in both execution and explanation. Because, as you said, the games are always balanced. If you have that one player who's really good, he will get hammered by blue shells. And... If you're not familiar, the blue shells are those shells which will fly around the track and hit whoever is in the lead. No, I'm sorry. If you don't know what a blue shell is, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. Also, please listen to this podcast. (laughs) Please, very much so. Tell your friends, even those who don't know what blue shells are. But uh, no, it's a super fun game. And if you're in the right mood, my God, like Mario Kart is just the best. And it brings out the worst in people. It brings out that competitive edge, but not the worst in people. Because we have a list here of games that we've put here for discussion. And I think what brings out the worst people is the next one. And that is Overcooked. Definitely. But Overcooked, as opposed to Mario Kart, is actually pretty difficult. Overcooked is incredibly difficult. And for those who are unfamiliar with the game, the concept is everyone is a chef and they perform one task. And in order to complete the meals and put them out for delivery, if that's the right word, you have to coordinate amongst people. And, you know, one will boil the pasta, for example. The other person will cook the sauce. You need to chop up the raw ingredients. And you just need to coordinate the whole affair to put the plate up and then dish it out. And if that wasn't hard enough... It's complicated by crazy level designs where the kitchen will be split and then it'll get even wackier with like volcanoes and stuff like that. But the concept is it's a party game, it's a co-op game, and it's incredibly hard because time just flies and the pressure just increases. Exactly. And like you said before, it really brings out the worst in people because everybody just knows that the best strategy is to divide up the tasks and for example one person cuts the vegetables one person washes the dishes one person cooks the food and so on but it never ends up like this and so usually levels start with the best of intentions and they end up with everybody shouting at each other i need to give a warning to people that if you're playing this with people who are not familiar with the game please explain the game to them beforehand because as marco briefly described I was playing with some people and I said to a female, uh, go do the dishes. Did not go down very well. Next thing I said, go make me a sandwich. That didn't go down very well very either. And then I had to explain the game. So keep that in mind. Speaking of Overcooked, did you know that the, the same studio that made it made a sequel? Or not a sequel, but made a kind of similar party game that I'm really looking forward to, to trying out. Well, Overcooked does have a sequel. It's got Overcooked 2 as well. And I think the two games are pretty much interchangeable. I think there's a few extra features on Overcooked 2, but graphically and gameplay-wise, they're almost identical. I need to point out, like, I've got it on the Switch, but I've also got it for free on the Epic Store. And if you've got a Prime subscription, you should have access to Twitch games as well or Twitch Prime. And they often give it away for free as well. So I've got it like on free platforms, but I only bought it on Nintendo. Yeah, I've also got it on the the Switch. But the game I was referring to is actually called Moving Out. Have you heard of it? 
No, I haven't. Explain. Okay, I haven't played it, but I'm definitely looking forward to like a Black Friday sale or something like that to, to get it. More or less the same concept as Overcooked. It's a multiplayer game where the goal of the game is to move out. So you're a moving company and you have to get into a house and take all the furniture out. But, for example, the bigger furniture, like a couch, will require two people. And the levels are also crazy. Like, there's a level that you're moving out of, a, of an airplane while it's flying. Um, another episode where I think you're moving out of a truck. And it does seem like a lot of fun, still. I think, yeah, that sounds like it's got huge potential. I might check out some YouTube videos and see if there's anything out there yeah, on it. Plus, I don't know about you, but this is the perfect moment to just play these games, to invite people over and play these games. I need to point out that at the moment, depending where you are, the restrictions might vary because where I am, I'm not encouraged to invite people over. In the Netherlands, if you're not encouraged to do something, that means you can do it. So the other thing is, I think we need to differentiate between true party games and co-op games. Yes, and I really want to have another episode where we talk about co-op games. Because most of the games we've described so far, you can actually play online together with people, but not physically in the same room. Or you can play physically in the same room as well, but you can do online play as well. So you don't need to necessarily be physically in the same room. But I have played, for example, Mario Party. And for that, you need to definitely be in the same room. There's no way you can play that online. Because you need to shout at each other. You need to shout at each other. You need to actually have like the motion controls. And um, I'd have to say, because you're competing against each other in that game, you're not cooperating. It doesn't actually have the same tension because you're responsible for the outcome. You can't blame anyone else. And I think that's also a super fun game. But it's not the most perfect game. It's, it's obviously some games are much more targeted towards a younger age group like kids. You can, it's a typical Nintendo family game where you're like, okay, this was clearly done for children. But if played with an adult audience and a lot of alcohol, it can be really good fun. But what grade or what rating would you give Mario Party? Because I, I'm always on the fence about it because on one hand, you I kind of want to get it, but on the other, it's the typical Nintendo game that basically never drops in price, so is it worth it? I think it's worth it if you get a deal. So I bought it together with a pair of Joy-Cons, and that really subsidized the price, because there is a special pack where you get the Joy-Cons plus Mario Party, and it ends up like the Joy-Cons or the Mario Party game itself, depending which way you look at it, will end up costing you like 15 or 20 bucks, which is a great price yeah. for the game if you're paying full price i i would hold off to be honest with you i would not go out to buy it just to play that game if i had to give it a ranking i need to emphasize you need to be in the mood to play it and you need to be in the right spirit to play it see see what i did there spirit Smooth. i would give it probably three cans out of six so not a full six pack half a pack would you rather play Mario Party or Mario Kart? Again, it depends on the audience. I think I'd rather play Mario Kart. Out of all of the games that we've mentioned, I would rather play Overcooked. Yeah, that's what I thought. The problem with Overcooked is that it's really difficult. I don't know about you, but I'm stuck, I think, at level world 4, level 1 or 2. 
and I just cannot get enough stars to, to continue. So the fun is pretty much over in a sense. I mean, it's still good fun when people come over and you can play, but you know, when the goal isn't really to beat the level, but it's just to shout at each other and blame each other for not having cut enough carrots or something. But I don't know, I find it a little bit too difficult. I wanted to mention one other game. This is a game that I played with you for the first time. I've actually only ever played it with you. And that's for the PlayStation, Knowledge is Power. Yes. I don't know where you bought it or if it came pre-bundled in the PlayStation. I can't remember whether it was bundled with the PlayStation or it was one of the PlayStation Plus free games that they give you every month. But yeah, I... I remember not paying for it, but yeah, it, let's let's assume it was bundled. So for those who aren't familiar with the game, it's nothing to write home about. It's nothing exceptional. It's a very cute game. It's got very cute graphics. It's got kind of like a claymation sort of stylistic element to it. And it's a trivia game where you've got different rounds, different sort of lightning rounds, and it's all knowledge-based. And it seems like the questions are refreshed. Yeah. So the, the question base is not outdated. But the key feature of this game is that it works together with a companion app. And in my opinion, it's probably the best use of a smartphone as a companion. Yeah, I agree. Because it uses the smartphone as the controller. So that's the interface in which you give the answers. It uses a smartphone as a second screen. So it's not just picking the answers, but you can also make the game harder for your opponents by for example freezing the answers so they need to like break the ice first or like avoid these sort of floating little bombs and it just makes it a very interactive experience whereas a lot of the other games if you're not actually playing it can be a bit boring to watch but in this game everyone can participate and it you're not bound by the number of controllers you have so literally everyone in the same room that has a smartphone can play on the assumption that everybody has a smartphone, but I think they do. It's 2020. It's it's time to get on with it. But uh, speaking of trivia games, have you ever played You Don't Know Jack? Never heard of it, to be honest with you. No? Oh, it's a trivia game from like a thousand years ago. They made like a million sequels. It's, I think, the original trivia game on the computer. If you find it on a Steam sale, I recommend it. Talking of party games, I think we should mention an old-fashioned card game, which is probably the most fun we've had in a group. And I know it's not a computer game, but I think we should give a very special honorable mention to Cards Against Humanity. Yes. Oh my God, yes. And if you don't know what Cards Against Humanity is, then you've been living under a rock. But it's, it plays off the humor of whatever social circle you are in. And I think it's just fantastic. Yeah, so the premise of the game is that you, every player holds a number of cards with a number of answers. And in the middle, there's a question. And so you get to play one of the answers that's supposed to make sense with, with the question that you have in the middle. And the funniest one wins. And, you know, you take turns deciding who's the judge and who. So not only you're playing to the to with the other players but you're also playing to the judge's sense of humor so believe it or not there's actually a very strong strategic element to it but it's just so much fun because the cards push you to bring out the worst in yourself but it pushes everyone to do that so the the level sort of 
it's it's funny at the beginning because everybody's a little bit up more uptight and then towards the end when you find sort of the common ground in terms of humor the that's when it gets really fun and i think we should also make another mention to not quite a party game but definitely a game which has become incredibly popular right now and that is among us and you may have heard us talking about it at the end of last week's episode where we had to go join a game with our friends yeah that's right so for those who don't know it uh, among us is a very very simple i think it's got like 16-bit graphics uh, online game where everybody's a little character and they're on a it, it takes place on a spaceship and everybody has little tasks like for example um, change the course of the spaceship or fix the engines or connect the wiring to the right place and so on but one of the people or two depending on how you play it um, is an imposter and his or her role is to kill everybody without getting caught and it's actually, it's a really, really simple game to pick up because like in terms of controls and the, the game itself, it's very easy to play. Anybody can, can pick it up. But there's so much strategy because then at the end or whenever somebody finds a dead body, then you have a little emergency meeting where you have to discuss where, where you were, what were you doing, who saw the dead body and where. And so it's, it starts a blame game. I'm not sure if you are aware of this, but the game itself was released several years ago and literally nobody played it. Really? And I don't know who kind of discovered it, but it kind of picked up momentum. And to the point where the actual developers, they had done it sort of as a test bed. The graphics are so simple. It was never actually meant for a genuine release. It was just put out there to test the mechanics of the game and the concept. And obviously someone must have picked it up and it kind of snowballed from there and they literally made it to copy the movie the thing by john carpenter and the premise of that movie is that they're stuck in an arctic station and there is an imposter who is mm -hmm. the thing who does exactly what you have to do in the game like he pretends to be helping in tasks and uh, he looks just like another human being he, he kind of replaces the people and in the movie, they're trying to figure out who this person is before they all die out. And that was the inspiration behind the game. And again, if you're active in any shape, way or form on any sort of social media, Reddit, Imgur, or even Facebook, I think, you will have seen memes about Among Us. And I think especially in America, a lot of like high profile politicians have been playing it just sort of in the run-up to the elections, just to stir up sort of, uh, I don't know what the word is, just interest into the whole process. And it's, it's, a, it's a really fun game because the concept is so simple and anyone can play it. Yeah, and it's actually not that easy once you get into it. As in, it's easy to pick up, but it's there's an element of strategy to it because you need to kind of call other people's lies. And, and if you're the imposter, you need to come up with a good alibi. I do like how... Anyone can pick it up, but at the beginning, no one knows where anything is. Everyone's like, where am I? What am I doing? But give it like one hour and everyone's an expert. Except for you. Every time we play, you're the first one to die always. I am very much of the opinion, get your shit done. Just right? go and do That's... your tasks. Everyone else is like, I'm buddying up. And I think that ruins the game. Just go and do your stuff. 
And everyone's like, no, I'm just going to follow you around. And it's like, no, man. But then again, they get they get to stay alive. <laughs> yeah, but I'm something. But then, like, you're setting yourself up for the next game. So when you are the imposter, no one thinks it's suspicious that I'm on my own. Yeah. I wonder how long this craze will last with uh, with Among Us. Because I don't know if you've played it, actually, but last month, so sort of mid-lockdown, the everybody went absolutely bananas for Fall Guys. Have you played it? I haven't played it because uh, it's it's quite expensive on Steam for what it is. Whereas I think it was on PS Now and everyone on the PlayStation started playing it. Yeah, because it was free if you had a PlayStation Plus subscription. But that's another really, really fun game that everybody sort of forgot about uh, recently. But again, it's kind of like in the kind of like a game show, as in you're this little uh, you're this little character, and you have to get to the end of a, an obstacle course basically and it's pretty funny and you're playing against i think it starts out with 60 people and every level some people get eliminated and so it goes to the next one with fewer people and so on and so on until there's only one and this person wins uh, wins the game i haven't won it yet also i've completely stopped playing it but there was a period of time i think a couple of months ago where i was playing it non-stop and it's pretty funny also it's it's one of those games that you're very tempted to just throw the controller by how frustrating it can get. One could say that the game was hyped. That's right. And that's an excellent segue to our <laughs> to our next segment <laughs> where we talk about, well, I don't know if you read the news lately, uh, something about some election or whatever, but the real news is that HBO decided to make a Last of Us TV series. And it's going to be produced or written, I can't remember, by Neil Druckmann, who's the producer of The Last of Us, the video game, and Craig Mazin, who is famous for having written movies such as Scary Movie 3 or The Hangover Part 2, but also (laughs) Chernobyl. He's the creator, producer, and writer for Chernobyl, which... You know what? I didn't know about that, and I just think it's hilarious how imagine being in the board meeting and he presents Chernobyl, this (laughs) grim, dark tragic story of like the worst and best of mankind and they're like what have you done before this and he's like scary movie three you might have heard of it scary movie three scary movie four superhero movie hangover part two hangover part three he's been busy but yeah chernobyl is quite different from his previous work but imagine like imagine that boardroom there must be like He's like probably presenting and saying like, yeah, no, I want to talk about the human tragedy that was this nuclear disaster. And everybody's like, yeah, but where's the funny bit? That's quite funny. (laughs) But anyway, we talked about Chernobyl. We both really liked it. I absolutely love The Last of Us. I think it has a tremendous story. Uh, I think it has totally the potential to be a very interesting, a very interesting TV series. And I'm really, really looking forward to its release next year. You had mentioned when you first spoke about The Last of Us how, and this was, I think, in our first episode, where you mentioned that it felt like you were playing a movie. It was cinematic from the moment go until the end. Yeah. I haven't actually played them, and the consensus appears to be that the first one is a work of art. Yeah. And it has been made as a remaster in better graphics. But the second one, I think critics and players were very much split in the sense that the critics loved it, but then this undertone came out where people were saying that they had like a forced agenda and ideas were forced onto it 
and they weren't executed in the way like the main character I, forgot, I don't know her name Ellie Ellie apparently she made decisions in the second game which were against her narrative in the first game but I trust your opinion more than I trust everyone else's wow thank you such honor so there's no easy way to talk about this without spoiling any of the f- of the two games so I'm gonna try really really hard but I might spoil some elements of the story so Spoiler alert for those who haven't played the game. I'm going to put my microphones down and sip my beer. So the first game is essentially the story of how the relationship between the two main characters, Joel and Ellie, develops. So beginning of the game, Joel is hanging out at home with his daughter. And uh, this zombie breakout, it's like a fungus that turns people into zombies. It starts, it begins. And the government is intervenes to lock everybody down and they kill Joel's daughter. Joel obviously is devastated and then it fast forwards to 20 years later where this pandemic is not under control at all and cities have been completely locked down and the military is making sure that the cities are locked down because the virus, the fungus spreads via biting. So if somebody infected bites you, you're you're infected as well. And the story starts with Joel, 20 years into the future, is a smuggler, and he gets a task to smuggle this girl, Ellie, to a different part of the of town or a different city, I can't remember. And it turns out to be their adventure across the US. And basically, like at the beginning, they don't like each other. Joel is saying, I'm just doing this because I, I'm getting paid for it. But as they go on, you're sort of the witness to how the relationship between becomes more like father daughter. And it's really nice. And you're and you really feel like you're part of something special. And, and the ending is also very, very powerful. And you know, you get attached to these characters. Part two, on the other hand, really plays with that or plays with the fact that you've grown to love these two characters and it's constantly putting you in a situation that you don't want to be as in you as a player but also as a witness of this relationship that lasted the entire first game you're all you're often in situations that you're that make you uncomfortable one thing i think the game does really well and i know this was one of the elements of debate was that it puts you in the shoes of other characters as well so you see things from different points of view so you kind of understand why certain characters did certain things i'll admit that sounds pretty interesting and i do like the concept of seeing the same event or seeing events from a different character so you understand what led them to behave the way they behave so that sounds interesting and it's literally that you get to play three days as ellie and then you get to replay those very same three days as another character cool so in essence you're super hyped about this becoming a tv series i cannot wait i i mean the ingredients are all there so you you're starting off with a game that has a terrific story that i think you could easily take out the play elements of it and it would still stand as as a great story neil Druckmann knows how to tell a story craig mazin apart from his let's say comedic past he's done a great job with chernobyl and we both agreed to that so yeah what's not to be hyped about do you know if they're going to follow the story from the game 
or we're gonna create a new story in the same universe? Uh, from what I understand, they're going to do more or less the story from the game, but obviously they'll expand on it. Cool, that sounds cool. I mean, if the story is as good as you say it is, as a Last of Us, I don't wanna use the V word, newbie, I'll be very much interested in watching it if it's so highly recommended. Yeah, absolutely. And in general, I am not a big fan of zombies. I'm actually not a fan of at all. But they spin it well, as in it's not just a zombie outbreak. It's like a fungus that infects the brain. And it's actually based on a real-life fungus, the cordyceps something. The porcini mushroom. <laughs> that one. But no, there's a type of fungus that infects ants and basically turns them into zombies. So it's kind of based on nature. Like the porcini mushroom. Like the porcini mushroom. And it's almost dinner time, so I'm getting a little bit hungry. But you also had something that you are hyped about. I am super hyped about this, and it's got nothing to do with anything we have discussed so far. It's completely different. You might have heard of this very successful actor called uh, William Smith. Never. I think he was born in West Philadelphia. Was he born or also raised there? I think he was born and raised and on the playgrounds where he spent most of his days. But anyway, jokes aside, Will Smith, famous obviously for having been a successful rapper. Just going through a divorce. Is it number two? I don't know. <laughs> but they made a big deal out of it. He can marry and get divorced a million times, but... In Hollywood, yeah. I'm going to cut to the chase. Famous for The Fresh Prince, huge TV series in the 90s. I think maybe popular the world over. I'm sure it's like number one in North Korea. And essentially that series started off, had a middle, had a bit of controversy with some cast members, whatever, continued, did really well and ended, which is quite rare for a lot of TV series to have the full cycle. And now 30 years later, they're having, and I'm not sure whether it's a reunion episode or series, like mini series, or if it's a series of talks done with the whole crew together right i need to mention uncle phil one of the the biggest characters on the show who was uh masterfully acted by james avery one of my personal heroes he unfortunately will not be there because he passed away several years ago and i think his presence will be missed but they're also bringing back the original aunt vivian so if you're a fan of the show yeah, because it changed after like one or two seasons. She was cancelled after two seasons and there was controversy at the time because apparently she was saying Will Smith bullied me and it kind of got brushed under the carpet. And don't forget, this was at a time before the internet existed. So you had to like tune in and all of a sudden they yeah. kind of just ignored the fact that the actress was different. But anyway, she's coming back to the show. I I think they've already had like an interview where Will Smith broke down into tears about his actions and the whole event. And I think they just made peace, basically. But I don't know how she's going to be written into the show. Is she going to be like part of the crew when they talk about it? Or are they going to sort of reenact a couple of episodes and she'll be a cast member? But I'm super hyped because I love The Fresh Prince. And I think Will Smith, regardless of his personal life or his divorces, whatever, I think he's awesome. But is it going to be a series again? I think it's going to be a limited run, like 10 episodes okay. or something like that. And it's on HBO, I think. And I could be completely wrong. So if I am completely wrong, let us know on Twitter. Let us know on our email. You know it's going to be terrible, right? Everything which is hyped is terrible. Except for The Last of Us TV series, which is going to be totally off. You haven't even seen it yet. I just know, man. 
Craig Mazin would never let you down. Scary Movie 4, best of the series. Scary Movie 4 was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I think we've got one more thing you wanted to talk about. Yeah, so it kind of doesn't fit in terms of, of uh, the mood of this, of what we've been talking about today. But this afternoon, I had some free time, so I watched on Netflix the latest David Attenborough documentary, A Life on Our Planet. Have you seen it? I've seen bits of it. I'll be honest, with all of the David Attenborough stuff, it all like merges into one. Right. This one's a bit different, I believe. So he calls this film as... And it's just one episode. It's just the one film. It's not a series like usual. He calls this his witness statement. And basically it's his him going over his career, which started in the 50s or something crazy like that. And it basically goes through... All the places that he's visited f for his for his work and going through how these places have changed and how much humans have had an impact in all these places. So he goes anywhere from Barrier Reef showing how it used to be and it used to be full of life and colorful and now it's dead. Or the ice in the Arctic and how it used to be full of ice even in the summers and now he could basically sail to islands that were blocked by the ice or the numbers of species that have gone extinct over the last few years because of our intervention and it's absolutely heartbreaking and it's the most depressing thing you can watch but it's also him basically saying yeah like when i started we used to have i don't know these many species and this was the human population and then he fast forwards to 2020 and it's a number of species have gone extinct and the, our population tripled or doubled or and we're just ruining this this planet and it's very powerful it's very well done i mean it's the classic david attenborough film so like it looks beautiful like the the sceneries the animals the the, the shots they're incredible okay i think i might give that a watch if i'm feeling educational so would you recommend watch it watch it with a beer don't watch it so if we want to use our usual metric i would say it's like five five and a half beers out of a six pack but imagine it being the perfect beer like for example a nice cold beer on a really really warm day but it's also the last beer you're ever going to have talking of which for talking about beers and I've pretty much finished my bottle. So it was excellent. I have to admit, out of the beers I've drank for this series, the worst one by far was the first one I drank, which was the Birra Moretti, which was terrible. It was basically a Heineken in disguise. And then the second one I had, good for cold winter's days, very rich, very heavy. And I gave that a four out of six if it's cold. And I gave it a two out of six if it was terrible. This one, I would give it a solid 4.5. And if it's kept in the fridge on a hot day and you take it out, I'd give it a five. Powerful beer, powerful stuff. There's no such thing as a hot day where you live. Once I'll let you know, the temperature was in double digits. That's incredible. See, this is what David Attenborough was talking about. We're, we're destroying this planet. We're not meant to have heat up here. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, my beer is pretty good. I quite like it. So it's a New England IPA. The... The label says it has great flavor. It's bountiful and tropical, like me. You are bountiful, Marco. 
<laughs> yes, yes, I am. But no, it's pretty good. I enjoy it. It's really fresh and has a light taste. Fantastic. Okay, so I think we're running out of time here, so we should wrap it up. Yes. I don't know how we're going to wrap it up, but let's wrap it up. Let's just wrap it up. I don't know. Just cut here. Okay. Uh, bye. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for, for listening to us again. And uh, see you in the next one. See you, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye.